Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. And this is the show, as you should know already, right? Most people listening to the show, they, you know, you know what goes on. We talk a little bit about yesterday's slate in MLB, maybe not NBA. NBA, is anyone playing today in NBA? Is anyone? All I've seen, I haven't, I haven't played NBA DFS. I'm not, I'm, I'm done. I'm playing MLB. But I still see it in my Twitter timeline. Apparently, everyone is out today in the NBA. Everyone. I saw yesterday, this guy's out tomorrow. This guy's out tomorrow. That guy's out tomorrow. Who's playing? Who knows? But we'll have Grinders Live, right? You could you could check that out on this channel for free. Got Grinders Live. Uh, so hit that hit that notification bell. Let you know when we go live later today. Hit the hit the thumbs up button, right? Give me the thummy thumbs for the apple juice. Hit the hit the subscribe button if you're new here. And uh and and yeah, so so crunch time also. You, you need crunch time for NBA, especially. You could sign you could sign up for Roto Grinders Premium and get that. Or a half an hour before lock tonight. Hit the link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month of Roto Grinders Premium. And I see everyone in the YouTube chat. It's casual Friday, casual time. It's always casual here anyway, right? I see you guys in the chat. Matt Mears, Frederick Dute, Max Coach, GR Sauceda 12, Card Fan, Jupocalypse, Brent Garretson, Superman, Superman's here, the man of steel. Okay. The man of steel, you know, you know, you know what he, he he's in, he's impervious to everything. He's impervious. We think kryptonite. Is the only thing he's not impervious to. But I think Superman wasn't impervious to Patrick Corbin last night. No one's impervious to Patrick Corbin when he's not pitching well. Patrick Corbin, what a disaster last night. Wow. And he was the highest stone pitcher. Right, I, I believe so. I was just going through. I don't know why we don't have the large field GPP in, uh, in, in results DB yet. But I pulled up the 555, which is a 12 entry max. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just clicking through some of this stuff. Like I said, this is what I do in the morning. So like, like you're seeing the same process that, 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 that I would go through. So like, I, I haven't even looked at this yet. So let's see, Uticao. Let's take a look at some, some of these guys, right? We got, got a couple, couple up here and then they got 12 lineups, but look, Patrick Corbin, 55% owned. Uh, but it's not like, it's not like people look, Uticao had hundred percent of them dead, dead. Couldn't win with them. Right. Eight minus 18.7. Uh, Manaya, yeah, that was the that was the popular combo. Basically, Corbin, Manaya, and a Nat stack. Right, you got Soto, you got Bell. Uh, then then the A's seem to be seem to be owned last night on DraftKings. Yeah, they were cheap on DraftKings. They were much more expensive on FanDuel. Uh, then we got some some Royals here. The underowned team was actually probably the Dodgers. Of course, they didn't have Betts. They didn't have Seager in the lineup. That seemed to be the under-owned team. Look at Ricky D. He's like a, a chalk? Me, chalk? I mean, yeah, maybe up here. Still at 41% Soto and Bell, but like Bichette, like none. No, basically no no Toronto, no no, no Kansas City, right? No Urias whatsoever. And he was 42% owned. So let, let me sort this by field, right? Urias is up here. But yeah, Ricky D, heavily contrarian. Right, had a bunch of Rich Hill who didn't die. Rich Hill only had 0.35 points, so it's not like he did much much better. So what what did what did Ricky D do? I see Toronto. Ah, here we go. Here was us Diamondbacks, right? Diamondbacks. He's still getting Diamondbacks, even though he still had 41% Patrick Corbin. 
So it seems like he made like a like a lot of hedge type lineups. Austin Gomber going going down at pitcher. Jan Gomes, Margot Grossman, so some Tigers, Diamondbacks, Tigers. Yeah, heavily contrarian are the bats. Who had, who had 41% Charlie Culberson? Nate Lowe, that's Texas. So flex. Moranosaurus flex. Flex with the Texas. Last night's slate. I mean, it's hard to get different. It's a five-game slate. Obviously, the Diamondbacks. You know, that's the That was the ultra-leverage stack. You stack against the highest-owned pitcher. You did that last night. You probably had a good night. Was that the winning lineup? Like Brick 75? Yeah, pretty much. Dodgers, who I think were under-owned. Dodgers, Diamondbacks. That was Brick 75 in the 555. All right, we have Urias Manaya. Okay, chalk pitchers. But then you get yeah, Andrew Young, the grand slam from, you know, the eighth hitter or whatever. All right, so you got one, two, three, four. Basically a four, a four, four. Dodgers, Diamondbacks. A hub row, five-man Diamondbacks. Chalk Soto. Chalk Will Smith, a catcher. I mean, Smith and Perez were both both kind of chalky. And then uh, Guerrero, 24. Still chalky pitcher combination. Just didn't have Corbin, obviously. But Urias Manaya. Anil P. Rao at Scooble. Scooble Scooble screwed him. But Turner, Solak, at 3% owned. So basically Texas and the Dodgers. Didn't get him enough. Just just not enough. Scooble Scooble screwed him. Or you could say he's like, or some of these Texas guys didn't score enough. There's another Uhub Bro lineup. Texas, one, two, three, four, five against Rich Hill. Austin Meadows, not much. Trey Turner, not much. Justin Turner, the Turners, right there. Now, obviously, there's a smaller field contest. There's 401 entries. So you don't have to score absurdly, but you can still, the correlated lineups still in, why not? 401, it's easier. You don't need the nuts in these smaller field contests. So you should be more inclined to correlate. Do you need the correlation? No. Usually in the smaller field contests, because you don't need the nuts. Now, it's very rare that anyone has the nuts. Now, on a five-game slate, it's more likely. Today, we have a 14-game slate. Tonight is the biggest slate so far of the MLB season. So playing a 14-game slate is much different than playing a five-game slate. So like yesterday, for instance, in the early slate. Remember, yesterday in the pregame show, if you weren't there, I went through my entire process of building my lineups on FanDuel, because we had that early slate. So it's just, it was like right before, right after the show, I figured, why not? I'll just show it to you. People ask, people email me. It'd be nice to show how, how you put together lineups, you personally, rather than like review others, talk about strategy, say, play whoever you want. So that's what I did yesterday. I played $222 worth of entries and I got $166 back, which is, which is normal. That, that, that's normal. Okay. That's happening to you. That's normal. That's 90% of the time. That's what's going to happen. When I say that I lose 90% of the time in MLB, even though I'm very profitable, because you bink one or two times, that's what I mean. You don't take 222 and then you just lose it all. You get 166 back or whatever. But yesterday, the chalk kind of came in, right? The Padres were a little little bit more owned than I thought they would be. Because remember, yesterday, we didn't even have ownership projections. I kind of just looked and I judged it for myself. I thought the Padres would be a little less owned. I thought they would be like the third most owned team. I thought it would be the Braves, the Twins, then the Padres. Uh, 
the Whites, I thought Abreu would be higher owned because I didn't think first base was all that was all that I don't know attractive. Abreu, I I thought it would be closer to thirty percent owned. He came in at fourteen percent owned. So actually, I got a lot more leverage with him. But I had a bunch of Padres. So that was the teams that I was going for yesterday: the Padres, the Marlins, and the White Sox. The White Sox disappointed, but this was my best lineup: two hundred eight, two hundred eight point three. Plenty of Lynn. And you can see, I you know, one, two, three, a three, three. No, this is a one, two, three, four, a four, three, one. So I was playing four, three, ones. I was playing three, three X's. Because on a five-game slate, on a large field contest, you're more likely to need the nuts. And there may not be a team that goes off for a million runs. So maybe four four-man stacks don't get paid off. Still had four man stacks, but not as many as I would have in a, like a 14 game slate. So you can see here compared to the winning lineup, like it's just, it's Chalk City. Like the the lowest owned player in this lineup is 17% owned. Right, because Acuna got there at 55% owned, right? Lynn got there, obviously, but I had plenty of Lynn. Machado with 30% owned at third base. He got there. Marte was pretty much the only Mar- the Marlin that you needed. They scored six runs, but kind of got all spread out. So this was my best lineup. Second best lineup. Take a look here. So you see, I have Abreu. See, like Mercano was 2.1% owned on FanDuel. So I had the, I had the Padres, one, two, three, four, Acuna. Then I had the three-man White Sox. Didn't get there. I mean, Robert got 18, but look, Robert's 8% owned. Anderson was 14% owned and Abreu was 14% owned. So like the difference between these lineups, like the White Sox did something, like this could have won. 204, it's 34 points, 35 points behind. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, a home run and a half or so. Do I have a lineup that doesn't have Acuna in it? Let's take a look. 186. Yeah, this is one without Acuna. Still Grissom, still still Marlins, Padres. Polanco didn't do much in Abreu, like, you know, disappointed. But let's say you took away Acuna, 55% owned home run. So let's say you take off 22 points here. Half the field gets 22 points off. And Abreu, let's say Abreu is the one that hits the home run instead of Acuna. So that's like a four, that's a 44 point swing, which means this lineup, what's the difference between these two scores? 50 something? Close, close. You tell me that Acuna is 55% owned and Abreu is 14% owned? I'm happy with my Abreu exposure. I'm happy for being under on Acuna. It's not like I didn't play him. I didn't play him to that extent. I was under on the Braves. It's a five-game It's a six-game, five-game slate. Four, it was a four-game slate, that early slate. So I'm going to be, I'm, I'm gonna be under. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to not play the Braves. I could have X'd him out. But if you tell me that, that Abreu is going to be four times less owned, is he... Does Abreu have four times less a shot at hitting a home run than Ronald Acuna? No. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's close, he's close enough. Yeah, Acuna is better than Abreu. I get it. Yes, I agree. But not four times better. So I don't mind that. But I just thought Abreu was going to be like 30% on and Acuna would be like 50% on. I'm like, I, I still think that's positive for Abreu. That'd be 60% more likely Acuna to hit a home run? No. So I'm going to play more Abreu. Play more of the White Sox. The White Sox were under-owned on FanDuel. They didn't get there. That's why I turned $222 into $266. But 
But had I just X'd out the Braves completely, I would, I would have got, barely gotten any money back at all. And I could have still won with the Braves. Could have still won. I mean, uh, all you needed was Acuna as a one-off. I, I mean, Swanson was okay, right? Swanson got 18.5, but it's not like the Braves. Like the four-man Braves stacks didn't really get there. Definitely not in comparison to the Padres. I mean, even Arias was 18% owned, got 22. There were multiple paths to get there, but you needed Padres. Padres, probably Acuna, because he got 28 points. So close, but no cigar. I was in the right direction, but mm, not exactly there. So you can see here, look. A bunch bunch of my lineups up, 166-1. I'm, I'm transparent, I show you. Then you move on to the next day. That's it. Okay, it took a shot. Done. We can take a look at the lineups that are up here. Like that winning lineup, Seth 37 ISO, the second place lineup. Pineda, that was contrarian. And then just a mess. Yeah, this looks like just a messy lineup. One, two, three, two. I guess messy lineups could have gotten there. It's a four-game slate. I, I, messy lineups are fine. There, but using the low-owned pitcher, Pineda up there. Jay Gerardo, let's take a look at this. We got San Diego, four-man, 2-2 two, two with Jay Cave. Like, this isn't a bad lineup. Jay Cave does anything, hits a double or something. Double RBI. This is the guy that wins. So now with 12% owned, okay. Like the bottom of the order for Minnesota wasn't that owned. It's not that complicated to put together winning lineups. You just, you know, you can't just you can't just you can't just fret over the results though. Let's look at the YouTube chat. Remember, it's casual Friday. If you've got any questions, you've got any casual questions, feel free to post them in the YouTube chat. If you're listening on the podcast, hi, hi, podcast people. You can't see me waving. I don't know if people realize that you could listen to the audio. You can download it on your podcatcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Roto-Grinders DFS pregame show. So if you're on YouTube and you're like, oh, well, some days I'm not going to be here. I don't want to watch the 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 YouTube archive, you know, the, the, the past show. Well, you could just subscribe to the podcast. Listen on your commute. Uh, Jesse Atfield says, morning. With such a wide range of variants in MLB, is your cash game lineup more suited for three, five, 10-man tournaments instead of 50-50s? No. Remember, I don't play cash games. I just play the projection system. I'm just going to play the optimal from the, whatever the optimal median lineup is. That's what I'm going to play. I invested $20,000 for the season, playing 10% on multiple sites. And then just whatever has happened at the end, it's the end. It's like an index fund. So I, I don't I don't play cash games. But yes, there's a lot of variance in MLB, which means you're going to go on streaks a lot. The difference of a 2v2 could be 70 points. Who knows? That's why I like playing on multiple sites, spread out my action, play a lot of head-to-heads, you know, just to mitigate my downside. But still, it's really what what's at what what's what's in September? It's April 16th. Remember, I just took 20, that, that's how I'm playing cash games. Take, take a sum of money, 10% of my bankroll. There you go. It's gone. That 20,000 is gone. It's being worked on. It's just like my stock portfolio. So I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it. I'm not, I don't have to think about my cash game lineup, my 50-50s, my head-to-heads. I just enter them throughout the day. 
on my phone. Oh, post my head to heads. Then five minutes before lock, press a button. That's the lineup. Move on. I'm working on my GPP stuff. Nate Branshaw asks, are you less likely to play pitchers in the same game for GPPs? Yes. Doesn't mean you don't, but I'm less less likely. Because obviously only one of them could get the win. Which on uh, DraftKings is four points. And on FanDuel is six points. Six points, obviously. You can't play two pitchers on FanDuel. So you don't have to worry about that. But it's not like the be-all, end-all. Oh, I can't possibly make sure to make groups like that. No, I don't. But I'm less likely. That's a good way to phrase it. See, Nate, Nate's not, not, not dumb. Using terms like more likely and less likely. Tend to and not tend to. You know, not do you or do you not. Do you always, do you never. It, that doesn't exist. But Bongo Fiesta, that can't be his real name. How much longer will the Rangers clean up hitter stop keeping priced 2,000 even though he hits a home run every day? What, Adolis Garcia? Is he 2,000 today also? Let's see. Ronald Coley, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't have played Acuna as a one-off, right? No, you could play him as a one-off. I said this yesterday. You're thinking too linearly. You could play him as, you could play him as a one-off in a lineup with a completely contrarian lineup construction. Yeah, sure, why not? Stop thinking that you, you have to or you don't have to. It depends. Well, he's fifty-five percent owned, and he's part of the the highest owned stack. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a reason that you're giving me reasons not to play him in certain lineups. He were there is certain. He's also the highest rejected player on the slate. So in a lineup where you don't need any more leverage in it, why don't you play the highest rejected player on the slate? Do you play him? If your lineup is already somewhat, even if you're not playing a Brave stack, like yesterday on FanDuel, if you're playing the Padres stack and Lynn and to another like popular one-off or something, maybe that's the lineup you don't play Acuna in. If you're playing off the board, if you played, who, who did the, who, I don't even remember who the, if you played a pirate stack, played a four-man pirate stack on, on FanDuel and you want to play Acuna in that lineup, go for it. And Pineda, and you left uh, 5,000 on the table also, yeah, go. It's not about individual players. It's about the lineups. I say this all the time. I say to the same people. I don't understand how you don't get it. Lineups, not players. Frederick Duke, with such a large slate, are you more inclined to spread yourself Cross more teams to stack or focus on a few specific, potentially under-owned team stacks? Neither or both. Remember, you're thinking too linearly. That's a question about diversification, not of strategy. My goal is to find under-owned stacks that have higher expectations than what they'll be owned. On a 14-game slate, you could find 10 of them, half of them, to some extent. Do you do you want to spread it out? Do you want, oh, I want to get exposure to the... 14 stacks and have a little bit of beach. You could, or you could say, I'm going to take the three that I like that I think are the most under owned for their expectation and build 150 lineups around them. Both are the same. They're exactly the same. If all, if the expected value of all these lineups are all about the same, then it's just a matter of what diversification you want of them. So you could do both. You could do either. You could do neither. You could say, I think this is the best stack, the most under owned stack. And play all, all 150 lineups and just lock five guys. And you, you could do that. But most of your lineups are going to be correlated to one another. That stack does If that stack puts up one run, you're dead. All your lineups are dead. Which is fine. But if that stack puts up 16 runs, you got 150 shots at first place. Do you want that disparity? Oh, once If we play this out a million times, this slate a million times, no matter which way you choose, you're going to end up with X 
dollars, the same amount regardless. They're the, the EV of all the lineups were about the same. Question is, do you want these? Do you want these swings or do you want like more in the middle? So that's a diversification. That's not. There's no strategy to that. So you could play a 14 game slate and say, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick four stacks and mix and match them, and that's it. If those four teams do well, I have a shot. Those four teams don't, and these other teams do well, then I don't. You could do that. Michael Dompier asked tonight's a huge 14 game slate. Can you briefly review stacking strategy? Comment a little. This varies from maybe an eight game slate. No, on a 14 game slate, it just means there's more chances. For, for one team to put up a ton of runs. It's 28 teams on the slate. And in large field GPPs, they'll be they'll, someone will someone will own every stack. I'm not talking about an individual player. But someone. There will be an entry in there with a five-man on DraftKings, let's say. A five-man, every 28, all 28 teams, there will be a five-man stack of. In FanDuel, all 28 teams, there will be a four-man stack of. So whichever, if there's a team that puts up 16 runs today in large field GPPs, that most likely will be the winner, no matter if they're 1% on. There's someone, it's going to be 50,000, 70,000 entries. Even if a team is 1% owned in 50,000 entries, there's still 500 lineups that have that stack. 200 lineups that have that stack, less than 1% owned. And there's 28 chances for that to happen. Four game, five game slate, maybe the high scoring team has only five runs. And the four man or five man stack, that's not just not enough runs for that whole stack to get there. Two guys get there, but not five guys, not four guys on FanDuel. So because of the likelihood is now increased that one of these teams, one of these 28 teams pays off a four or five man stack. I'm more inclined to stack. I'm more inclined to stack now. Less inclined to do three three one one type of lineups. So like on FanDuel, I will be playing primarily four fours. Some four three ones. DraftKings, I would only be playing five man stacks. I guess you could get away with some four fours. I guess you could get away with some four three ones, but I'd be much more inclined. Like I said, it's not always or never. But on DraftKings, on large slates, when I play GPPs on DraftKings, now the DraftKings GPPs. It's like eight, fifteen, eighteen dollars for the large field GPP per entry versus FanDuel, where it's four or five bucks. That's why I'm playing more on I'm playing my multi-entry stuff on FanDuel. So I can play 150 lineups and not spend not spend three thousand dollars. So I'm playing the large field stuff. Maybe I'll play the small field stuff on DraftKings. Unless they have a contest that's under 10 bucks, and then I'm more inclined to play a hundred hundred lineups. But yeah, the larger slates, like you should, I wouldn't consider anything like on DraftKings. If I built 150 lines of DraftKings, I would have 100% five-man stacks. Whether or not it's five, one, 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 five, two, one, five, three, whatever. The primary stack would be five-man in every single lineup on these large slates. Larger. The larger the slate gets, the more correlation you want. The more of that correlation is important, I guess. That's a better way to put it. The less the games that are on the slate that means the less likely one one of these there's only eight teams it's less like the high scoring team may only have five runs does the stack pay off at five runs probably not obviously get up a four-game slate do they get you could have a team that scores 15 runs in a four game you're right there's only eight teams on the slate 
There's only eight teams that could do that versus 28 teams, no matter who they are. Obviously, we got weather issues today. We got a Coors game, but the Coors game, I think it may snow there. I mean, there's a weather issue there. I mean, according to Roth, (coughs) take a look. (coughs) Freezing, snow showers, it's football weather. Chance of rain in New York. Roth seems optimistic about that. Boston, there may be a problem. Kansas City, there may be a problem. Right. He's predicting possibly the Toronto-Kansas City game being postponed, probably before lock. So that, oh, now it's a 13-game slate. This is still a big slate. Let's see. J10, Blender, can you explain the RG extension when it shows margin? Margin is rake. Entries is how many entries are in a contest. Pays 20%. That's what the how, what percentage of the field gets paid. The min cash. So what the lowest payout struck spot is, is how much times you're buying. That was the prizes is prizes. How much, what's the prize pool? First place, 16.6%. How much percentage goes to first place? And said, which contest is best for you? There's no such thing as best. All that information is showing you is what type of lineups should you be building? There's no such thing as best contests in DFS. All it is is what types of lineups should I be building for this contest? You should never be building a lineup and then entering a contest. You should always be entering a contest, seeing what types of lineups based on the payout structure, based out on the field size that you should be building for this contest. Thousand, thousand person contest, winner take all. Is different than a thousand person contest when only 10% the first place. 10% and it's really flat. Winner take all, go nuts. I mean, the only person who gets paid is the first place spot. 50,000 entries, very flat payout structure. First place only gets 10%. Much different contest than 50,000 entries and first place gets 33% of the prize pool. And second place gets 10% of the prize pool. By the time you get to 10th place, you're getting a set of steak knives. Much different contest. Obviously, you look at the rake. But I mean, most GPPs are raked at about the same rate. Obviously, the higher stakes you go, the lower the rake you have. But there's no best. I play contests with 16% rake, no problem. Top-heavy payout structures. A lot of, lot of high field size. I know what types of lineups I need to build. Not chalk lineups, Right? Playing a 200-man contest with flat payout structure up top or whatever. Now you know what type. Oh, okay. You want to play the chalk stack? Go play the chalk stack. You can play. You can play a fair, a fairly high projected lineup, and just go. I'm just going to play five X and play the two chalk pitchers, and you can win a 200-person contest that way. It's really the field size, the payout structure, and that determines what types of lineups should you be building, not what contest is best. Let's see. Right. Alex Santi said it, said it in, the, in the YouTube chat. The RG info tells you what lineups you should build. And if you decide you're comfortable with the leverage, risk, and et cetera required. Right. There you go. It also shows you overlay, right? You use that extension. You go and you go, oh, is there a contest that haven't been filled enough or whatever? I don't use the extension. So I don't, I don't, really, I don't really enter contest on, on desktop. I, don't, you, I, don't, I barely use the, the sites or websites. To, to upload, uh, yeah, that that's that's the 
Typically, I'm going to DraftKings or FanDuel just to upload my lineups that I spit out from lineup HQ, copied and pasted into Excel, upload. Most of the time, I'm entering contests on my phone. I don't get the I don't get the, the RG extension. But I get C. I mean, I, I I play the same contest pretty much every day. But like, if you're playing on DraftKings, like let's say, let's go here, the bat projections as of ten thirty three a.m. or whatever. Right, we don't have no ownership. We have no nothing. <coughs> we go to the stacks page. I mean, woo, a lot of stacks. So I'm going to set, for instance, let's just set it for five three. Make it, make it so that we don't even have the the, the one off problem, right? So I'm going to set it to 100%. Build rules. Let's set unique players to one. Let's. This is DraftKings. So let's let's go up to 49,000. I go to that. Let's go to 150, just the, the, the normal number, 150. But everything else here, this is all just whatever. Default. Let's just see. I haven't looked. I have no clue who's pitching, who's what. I know we got we got what the Grum on the slate in Colorado. We got Bueller. We got Bueller. We got who else? Who else do we got? How do we remember? There's someone else, right? Scherzer, right? Okay, there we got Scherzer. Frankie Montes. He looks to be a little too cheap on uh, Fanduel. Jesus, everyone seems too cheap on Fanduel. Do you have to play him on Fanduel? I don't know. So I'm running 150 lineups on DraftKings, but I'm telling it. To give me five threes. Just give me five threes. Just to see. Like, I don't have to even know who's playing today. I don't. <clears throat> All that work is done for you. So if I won the show at 6.30 and not know who the hell's playing, well, I'll I'll be able to figure out, like, who's going to be the chalk and who's not. The ownership projections are going to be there. The player projections are there. So it's like, I'm, I'm going to build 150 lineups. Not that I'm going to play these lineups. These may not be good lineups to play. That may not be leveraged enough for a large field contest. But it'll give me the sense of who the chalk is, who the best projected stacks are and pitchers and everything. I just built 5-3 by default. That's the only reason I'm doing this. Not because I want to build these lineups. It's, it's a research tool. And I can do the same thing on FanDuel. Like it says Montes here. Let's do this on FanDuel. Let's go 150. Let's set the min... Down to 33.5, I guess. Set this default. Put the stacks on 4-4. 100%. Let's do this. I assume I could build these at the same time. Never actually tried building with the regular builder on two sites at the same time. No, okay, I guess it it works. I thought maybe it slows down. It tells you it can't from the same IP address. I have no idea. So that'll work. Let's let that keep on working. Like I said, I'm not doing this because I'm building these lineups. I'm doing this as a research tool. I've not even looked. I, I don't even know. I made dummy lineups last night. That's why I knew that. Okay, I knew DeGrom is in. I knew Scherzer's in. I knew I knew some of the pitchers. But other than that, I just put together a lineup just so I could enter contests. But I have no idea. But I could just show up. I could show up to the player projections and the ownership projections, which we don't have currently. Not this early in the day. And then just run lineups just just to see what are the higher projected lineups? What do they look like? That's it. That's all I want to know. Don't, don't need to know who's playing. Don't need to know when, don't need to know any baseball stats, no nothing. 
Dario Rosenstock. Since the larger the slate, the more correlation matters. Wouldn't you also want to play more four three than anything five three than anything else? Like not just more five mans. Well, how about on a fourteen game slate? There's one guy that hits three home runs in another game, and that stack doesn't get there. How do you have him in that lineup in a five three? You can't. So in large field contests, remember what I said yesterday. You can't think linearly. That question is thinking linearly. In a large field contest, the closer to the nuts you need. How do you get to the nuts? Typically, the nuts, technically, the nuts is going to be a bunch of one-offs. Good luck trying to put together that lineup. No one ever ends, rarely anyone ever ends up on that, that type of lineup or gets to the, puts together the eight guys that, you, I mean, very rare. So like the nut-nut lineup, the lineup that scores 320 points, like no one has. The winning, the winning lineup has 260. So the larger the field, the contest you're in, you want you give yourself the opportunity to have those one-offs. So in a large field contest, you're right, correlation matters, is important. But also in a large field contest, it's also important to get closer to the nuts. So 5-3 gives you the most correlation, but it doesn't give you as much of the opportunity to get the nuts. So does that mean you play 5-1-1-1 or do you play 5-3? Well, it depends on the lineup. They all have pros, they all have cons. The pros of the fourth, the five one one one, is that you could get that one off that you need. That you need to have. Well, I mean, if there is no need to have one off, well, then the five three is probably better because it's a little bit more correlative. There's weighing. There's no one right answer. Is this worth it? Is this? It's just like with a projection and leverage. Well, this lineup projects well, but it has no. It has. It's, it's all chalky. Well, this lineup is is completely contrarian, but it has a horrible projection. You have to weigh that. So, like in a small field contest, you don't need you don't need the nuts, right? So, and also correlation means is is less important. Smaller field contests. So you'd go, oh, in smaller field contests, why can't I just do three three one one on a on a fourteen game slate? It's like, well, also because you don't need the nuts. You don't you don't need those one off. You don't. The guy that <laughs> Andrew Young yesterday may not be needed on a 14-game slate. He could have put up 46 points and not be in the winning lineup in a 400-person contest because, like, he's literally unowned. Like, there are guys in those contests that are just literally unowned, 0% owned. They put up 40 points. You don't need them. Large field contest, maybe they're 1%, 0.8% owned. Maybe you'll need them. So in the smaller field contest, yeah, correlation is less needed, but you don't also don't need the nuts. So maybe it's just easier to build a lineup that's 5-3 in smaller field contests. But but I don't need the correlation. You're right, you don't. But also, you also don't need the nuts. So just pick the two teams that score the most points, and most likely you could win a 400-person contest. So you see, it's like smaller field contest, you don't, it's correlation is less important, but also one-offs are less important. So there's a balance there in the small field contest. What do you do? So that's why I'm saying there's no one thing. There's no, do you do this or do you do that? You're weighing a bunch of variables and going, you know, like a stereo equalizer, right? Do they even have those things anymore? Like, well, this lineup is fine because it does this. It's a little less over here. Okay, this is a good balance. Okay, this is a balance in a different direction. 
but about the same in the other in the other way. You can have a thousand lineups that all have about the same expected value that look differently, different contests. One's a five one one one, one's a five three, one's a four three one. What? But they have different teams in there. Maybe a five three with the two chalk teams and the two chalk pitchers is is not a good lineup in a in a large field GPP. Yet a five three with, with that's contrarian is great. So it's not like, well, why is this one five three lineup bad, and why is this one five three lineup good? Well, because there's other variables than just the construction of the lineup. Oh, let's see. Michael Dampier, you're asking about videos, the best way to export lineups. Uh, if you go to this uh, button on a lineup HQ, this uh, question mark, it'll give you all the videos, all the lineup HQ tutorial videos. So yeah, so if you ever need to know how to do anything, rebuild, late swap, editing entries, uploading entries, copying setters, settings, and whatever, all the little videos are here. All the links to them are there. Michael Dampier, very lo- don't worry about duplication, especially on, tw- on a fourteen-game slate. Don't don't even, dude. Uh, it's been sixteen days of MLB. We played a four-game slate yesterday. I, I didn't even consider duplication. I didn't even consider it. That's how little you should care about it. There's so many combinations in baseball. I don't even, I, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even think two games slate, maybe two games slate. Sure. Three games slate. Okay. We're getting, we're getting a four games slate. I'm barely thinking, I'm barely thinking about it. Barely five games slate. Probably didn't even cross my mind. So don't worry about duplication. You're over complicating things. Highly over complicating things. Okay. Let's take a look at, let's take a look at uh, DraftKings. Okay, we're getting a lot of Brandon Nimmo. A lot of Frankie Montes as an SP2. Oh, paid down? Okay, the bat always loves cores, right? If cores plays, let's see. So let's take a look at this, the stack summary. Getting Mets, we're getting Yankees. In Yankee Stadium, yeah, they look a little too cheap. Of course, you got your good friend Rubened. <coughs> it's the bat, right? So you're going to have Odor in a bunch of lineups, of course, when he's 2,900. Okay, so we got Mets, Yankees, Mariners. What's going on with the Mariners today? Are they just cheap? Who are the Mariners playing? Where's Seattle? They're playing at home with a four-run total against Urquidy. They don't seem to project all that well. Or are they just really cheap? They're 3,200, 3,400. Seegers, yeah, they're just cheap. So what do these lineups look like? Seattle stacks are coming up. I'm going to. I'm assuming I'm getting. I'm, I'm assuming I'm getting high-priced pitchers. So here we go: Montas, Scherzer, Heaney, Degrom, Hauser, and then a whole bunch of other things. So Montas, right now, is like the SP two, right? Seventy-three hundred against Detroit. Okay, I get it. I'm just concerned of what what the Seattle the Seattle lineups. I'm assuming they have what something like Degrom and Scherzer in it or something. Okay, so here's a three-man, Montes Scherzer. I'm looking for the five-man. Do we have any five-mans? I could look at the combo summary. Let's see. Five-three. Yeah, no, we got Seattle Mets. Five-man. Is that to fit the expensive Mets? Because Pete Alonso is expensive. Let's go to player exposures. Okay, let's see. Can we find five-man Seattle? I see the three-mans. Okay, okay, here we go. Yeah, with Mets. DeGrom, Montes, 
Seattle and Mets. It spends 49-6, right? So there's Mets. There's another one with the Mets. Are there any, are there any DeGrum Scherzer combinations? So it has like the vomit stack combinations. I can't search for two at the same time, so I always have to do this. So let's see. I got the Grum in here because he's the lower owned one. So I'm looking for Scherzer. Do we have any of those types of lines? Here we go. Scherzer to Grum. So basically Cleveland. Cleveland. Well, nail because Nailer's cheap. Didn't get the two. Then basically you're playing, you're playing the Yankees stack, but you're not playing Judge or Stanton. Okay, I guess you can, right? Bottom of the order type of thing. Okay, I get it. That's what it wants you to do over there. Let's take a look down here. So I found one. Okay, here, pirate stack. Okay, okay. Then now, now we start making sense. Right, Polanco, Reynolds, Newman, Moran, Frazier. Yeah, they're cheap. Do Scherzer to Grum. Then you play Sanchez, Odor, Judge. Okay. Okay, so I see that the, the double stud lineups. What they kind of look like. We got two of them there. Here's another one in Pirate Stack. But understand, these are the lineups that come in the top 150 of the projection. So I didn't put in any stack. I didn't put in any, ex- any exposures. Just telling, t- tell me the highest projected 5-3 stacks. What do they look like? And based on that, on DraftKings, as of right now with the Bad X projections, obviously we don't have starting lineups. These are all with projected starting lineups. So from this, it looks like, based on the bat, that would be the Mets, the Yankees, the Mariners. Like, the Dodgers only show up in the top two. But here are the five-hitter stacks right here. So I get a sense of the slate based on the projections. I could also look at the bat as a stack projection page. So I could look at DK overview. Now, this will have everyone on the slate. So if there's, like, a split, like, it has the 2 o'clock games right here. Obviously, with showdown pricing, so that's why it comes up like that. So I could sort this. I could look at ceiling. It's like top 25, top 50. This is based on price. This is all based on value. So that's where it sees the Yankees right here. Yankees. I'm assuming the Mariners are going to be, if I go by point per dollar, right here. Pirates. Indians. Mariners. That's why they're coming up, based on the bat projections. So that's one way. So I don't have to necessarily run all these lineups i could look at this bad x stack projection page for dk and he could list out all the stacks if you wanted to show if you want to see sequential non-sequential so i'd be able to look at this and go okay if i left everything alone it's gonna it's these are the teams it's gonna like based on point per dollar only but that's why it's set point per dollar but you also see the ceiling and the ceiling point per dollar it's like the mets have the highest ceiling, they're in cores, but not the highest ceiling point per dollar. But like the Indians only have an 89.9 ceiling, but have the highest point per dollar based on their price. So this, this, this is a tool that you can use. We have the bat projections. The RG projections have the smash tool, which is not up yet. But you could use that a very similar way. It'll have a value column. Value percentage is very similar to what this that page shows you. But let's take a look at FanDuel. All right, Montes, 60% of lineups. So even paying down, 7,500. Scherzer to grow. Okay, this, this makes sense. 
in a 4-4 lineup, Yankees-Mets. Yankees, I mean, very similar. I could go to this stack projection and go to FanDuel and look at the same exact thing. Point per dollar. Yankees, Rangers, Indians, Reds. What are the Rangers? Texas. Let's take a look. Right, if I look at the stack summary, four hitter stacks, Yankees, Mets, Nationals. Like, where are the Rangers? Where's Texas? 15. Okay, you just look at plenty of them. They're probably cheaper. That's why with Montes' projection, you're not going to get as much Texas. Texas would probably be in cheaper, with cheaper pitchers, with the expensive pitchers. <clears throat> Washington, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Texas. So this is what I could do to just get a sense of what the slate looks like. Like without, without look, without, I, I'm showing you. It's like people, people probably look, watching this going, I, mean, I didn't look. I didn't look at who's pitching. I didn't look at. I didn't. I didked at any baseball stats. Like they're gonna look at. Like, no. That this is this is the research I do. And go like, no. You must be leaving it out. You must be le- Jordan. You must be leaving it out. You must be spending. You probably probably gonna get off this show, this pregame show, and then spend the next six hours looking through baseball stats on who who the best plays are. I'm going to say no. Like you just saw what I do. I'm not hiding anything. I don't hide anything. Obviously, I, I could. I don't have to run 150 lineups. I've done this so often. I could just look at the projections, like team by team, and go, okay, they, they're too. They're they're cheap. They're not cheap. This cheap, right? You take a look at this page and go, okay, that's what's showing up, right? You take a look at the weather. Obviously, I mean, Froth will update that. Right, and I'm just looking. Okay, what are these? What are these combinations? Four fours, four fours, four fours. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, doesn't mean they're these. They could be chalky though. I don't have ownership yet, so like I have no idea. Is it worth playing the Yankees? Who knows what their ownership is going to be? They're cheap on Fanduel. I mean, Sanchez is cheap. Torres is cheap. Odor is okay. He's cheaper on on DraftKings. But the Yankees are going to be the Yankees are going to be chalk in a fourteen game slate. Doesn't to me it doesn't matter. The Mets if they play that game in Colorado, maybe the Mets are chalky. Is it worth playing a Montes Mets lineup on Fanduel? Maybe it isn't, even though it comes up the most. But based on this, maybe maybe I see later in the day that Cleveland's only going to be owned at nothing percent on Fanduel. But he's coming up. But their projections are actually pretty good based on the bat. Well, now now we're going to play a bunch of Indians. Right? I don't even know who the Indians are playing. Who are the Indians playing? Cincinnati. Oh, they're playing in Cincinnati. Who are they playing against? Who's pitching? Is Di Slafani? Is that Di Slafani? I, I think it's Di Slafani that's pitching for Cincinnati. Is he still on Cincinnati? No, he plays for he plays for San Francisco. Who? I know Di Slafani was on the slate. Who's pitching? Cleveland. Cleveland. Cincinnati. Logan Allen. He's pitching for Cleveland. Who's pitching for Cincinnati? Jeff Hoffman. Oh, okay. Now I see. Oh, he had, he had, good, he had a good start. Are people going to jump on board him? Right? He had one good start. Right? That first start, 36 points. And then he really, he walked three guys. He, he turned into, he turned into Jeff Hoffman the next, the next, the next start. Are people going to be swayed by that? People going to play Hoffman? I'll, I'll, I'll play the Indians against him. But that's what I'm looking at. I'm showing it to you. I don't know. People question like no, this can't be the way. This is this is the this is the way. 
I'm telling you, this is the way. You have to get past, in order to get into this mode, is there a right way or the wrong way? No, I'm not going to be as stubborn to say that, you know, just like with anything, there's no always, there's no never. I'm going under, you have to fully embrace the fact that the projection model has done all the work for you. Why are you playing Frankie Montes? Because he projects well. Well, why does he project well? My answer is, I don't care. doesn't matter to me. Do I trust the model? Yes. That's all that matters. So on FanDuel, it's the highest point per dollar pitcher. DraftKings, he's going to be the top SP2. But does that mean you play Frankie Montes at 60% owned on a 14-game slate? Not necessarily. The higher he gets owned, the less value he has to you. Is there an ownership where you play none of them? No, not necessarily. Play Frankie Montes in a lineup where you're stacking the Pirates. Okay, that's fine. Is there a situation where if, if, if the higher that Montes gets owned, like let's take a look with Oakland, Frankie Montes was 60% owned this slate. It's quite possible maybe I, maybe I play a Tiger stack or two, a leverage stack against him. Now, if Montes is only on DraftKings as an SP2, Montes ends up being 25% owned. How much value is there? And stacking against. So yeah, he'll be the most owned SB2 at 25% owned, but it's also a 14-game slate. There's going to be plenty of other teams that are going to be under-owned. That do I need to play Detroit against the, the, the Chalk SB2? You could, but you have to weigh that against all the other teams on the slate also. Like if it was a seven-game slate, maybe more likely. Then also Montes would probably be even higher owned. On a seven-game slate, Montes 50% owned. Maybe then, then I play a bunch of Tigers. The difference in the slate size matters because I, I have more choices now on a seven-game slate. Even a seven-game slate. Well, you play this chalk team. There's the second highest owned team. This, this, you don't have as many choices. And you look and you go, well, this guy, this pitcher is going to be 50, 60% owned. And every point against him that I get, uh, half the, more than half the field gets dinged for. I think that's more worth it on, on, a, on a slate of that size. On a 14-game slate, a 1% owned Detroit stack. I could find a 1% owned Pittsburgh stack. I could find I could find 1% owned stacks that aren't aren't that aren't against the chalk, the somewhat chalky SP2. So I'm less inclined. Doesn't mean I don't do it. It just means I'm less inclined. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It's the obvious leverage spot. You take the the super chalky SP2 and you stack against them. But remember, when you stack on a 14-game slate. And you're going to take five guys on, on, on DraftKings. They need to like kind of be the highest scoring team on the slate. We have 28 teams on this slate. So if Detroit puts up five runs, it, it hit Montes for five runs, it'll kill Montes, but the stack doesn't get there. So yeah, oh, great. I got the Tigers. So five man doesn't get there because some other team, right? Texas puts up 12 runs. Oh, you don't have the Texas stack. You lost. Well, you didn't get first place. You may, you may may not have lost money, but you didn't get first place. But these are the things that you're weighing with one another. But ultimately, I'm I'm going. Like this whole play with whoever you want, and all my my facetious replies are based on the fact that to me the game starts at the projections. All of this is done for you. If you're an RG, if you're an RG Premium member, you get the plate IQ projections. If you want to sign up for the bat. And get Derek Hardy's projections, get his projections. But once I have once I have the numbers, now it's just my job to build plus EV lineups. In whatever directions I want to go, I need to know what the field is going to do. 
based on my projections, is the field going in the right right way here or the wrong way there? The field is going to overown this team, underown that team, underown these constructions, overown those constructions. That's what I'm judging, and then playing lineups appropriately based on that. But I'm I've, I've not gotten to the. I've, is Tommy Edmond good against Zach Leffler? I don't know. Seven point four five four. That's 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 all I know. I just have a number. I trust the model. So here are the numbers. You could, you could get rid of the player names for all I care. Now it's just now it's just my job to build plus EV lineups. Should I be building this lineup and having him only in stacks? I don't know what's what's better or worse. But the actual like what 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 are the chances that this guy is going to do well today is all done. It's all I, I don't even care about it. No cares in the world. That's what the projections are for. So in DraftKings, I could look. Rudin and Odor. It doesn't matter that he, he obviously is a 9.03 projection. He will never get nine points. He will never get nine points. Odor doesn't get nine points. He gets zero or he gets 14 plus. So that's what he is, right? Am I playing Aristides Aquino at 2,600 against Logan Allen? Maybe I am. Why? Because he projects well. <laughs> that's, that's it. There has to be a reason. Do you need to know the reason? I don't need to know the reason. Obviously, it's based on the pitcher, based on the park, based on the whatever, right? He has power, he has ISO, he has what, I mean, I'm just, yes. Once I, if I digged into the research, it's going gonna, it's gonna to align with that. So why am I bothering spending the time to do that? It's already done for me. I think that's the biggest mindset that you have to get, that you have to get over, that most people don't get over. Most top play, most, especially large field GPP players, they have their own models or they're using a model or they're aggregating models. And then they're just building plus EV lineups. So what's the point of paying for projections if you're not going to use them? I'm not going to build a model better than Cardi. Right, I could build a model. I, I, I could use Excel. I used to be a computer programmer. I could, I could teach myself some R and some Python. Right, I'm old school programmer. Right, Perl. I could do it in Perl. I could do it. In, I could probably do it in Perl. It'll be. Why would I? Why would I spend the time to do that? It would be ridiculously. It would be ridiculously time intensive to program this type of stuff in Perl. Extremely, extremely limited. You, you get, you get a, you're off by a period, and the whole thing explodes, right? You never do it in Pearl. I could do it, but why? I could. I'd rather pay him three hundred dollars and go there. Thank, thank you, Cardi. Thank you for your for five plus years of experience and the best model in the industry. That's all done for me. So you could do that. Go to Roto Grinders Premium. Ten dollars off your first month. Hit the link in the description. You also get the bat, right? Get everything. Just get everything. Pay for everything. That's what it is at the end. Of it. It's casual Friday. Now it's pay up Friday. You could also, and, and if you want to learn how to think in that mindset, how to view the projections, because that, that's what uh, chapter three in my, in my courses, player selection, I purposely named it player selection. So people are like, oh, this is the chapter where he tells us how to pick the right players. It's two and a half hours, that chapter. And essentially that chapter is explaining what projections are. So you understand how they're made. So you understand what you're looking at. It's a basic, basically this is a two and a half hour basic statistics class. And then we get into expected value and leverage and correlation and construction and risk management, exploit, psychology, 
learn how to play the game of DFS. Because once you have once you have all this down into numbers, then now you now it's game theory time. Now it's game theory time. So go to theoryofdfs.com, pick that up if you haven't. It's one stop show. You don't have to you have to worry about asking me any questions. It's all in there. It's 15 hours long. You could listen to it multiple times. People have emailed me. I've listened to it four times, five times already. Drill in the concepts. Play a little. Listen. Play. Listen. Play. Listen. You will get better. The first thing you have to do is embrace the fact that you're playing a game against other opponents that's based around math and probabilities and statistics and not sports or just the pieces that you play with. Once you get it by there, then then you start thinking like a professional DFS player. And there you go. Theory of DFS.com. And that's it for Casual Friday. We got it. We got a 14 game slate, which means that means uh you, you, what a lot of a lot of you could get lose hope very quickly, right? Like especially if it's like, oh, I'm gonna take two stacks and whatever, and then you know, some other team scores eight runs in the first inning, and you just close your laptop. You could do that, right? It'll be like that. Then we got the weekend starting to get a little bit warmer, right? We're getting warmer in April, but uh, but I'll be back. I'll be back on Monday. James will be back on Monday. Remember, every Monday, James McCool, my co-author for the for the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports course, will be on a Monday. So I'll see you then. As I'll see you every day, right? Every weekday. People ask about the weekends. Like, no, no, I need some time off myself. So I'll see you every day, every weekday, 11 o'clock in the morning for the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com.